Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of India Rising, Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore, a show in which we analyze the happenings from around the world and their impact on India. Before we begin with today's episode, we just hope that you and your loved ones are safe at home and are healthy during these troubled times. Remember to stay home and stay safe. In the past week or so, there has been news that India has been successful in disengaging with China in the upper reaches of Ladakh, close to the Pangongso region. A nine-month-long imbroglio has now been peacefully resolved. Almost unexpectedly, the Indian and the Pakistani Director Generals of Military Operations issued a joint statement saying that they will adhere to a ceasefire along the line of control to ensure that peace prevails along the frontier. So in effect, in less than a month, India, which was staring at an almost two-front war to now de-escalation on both the fronts, um, that's the situation right now. So uh, what exact de-escalation are we talking about? And what led to this uh, uh, current situation? So uh, let's discuss both these in today's episode. So uh, Mohan, let's begin with the line of actual control, the, uh, the Chinese uh, making their moves along uh, the Pangongso and the eventual uh, nine rounds of talks and uh, the eventual uh, disengagement and de-escalation. So uh, you want to uh, quickly summarize and uh, explain what happened there? Yeah, so Kishore, like uh, on February 11th, uh, just like around two little more than two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, the Defense Minister Radnath Singh made a statement in Parliament where he stated that uh, they had agreed upon uh, a sort of disengagement in the Pangongso region on both the north and the south banks. Mm-hmm. And the disengagement was in progress. And I believe like later that day, we did see, we'd have the first visuals where I believe there were tanks which were withdrawing from the slopes of Rechinla where they were like perilously close to each other. Right. Right, right. So, 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 so uh, yeah, so uh, there were these multiple rounds of discussions happening uh, for almost uh, nine months now. And uh, it was a, it was a situation where nobody wanted to blink first, and nobody mm-hmm. wanted to uh, look uh, the weaker among the two. And uh, eventually, uh, while each round was uh, uh, concluded almost in an inconclusive manner, uh, there was nothing to show that uh, the Chinese would blink first or the Indians would blink first. But uh, now that the disengagement is uh, almost uh, complete, uh, at least in the Pangongso region, and uh, both of uh, both the sides are claiming that uh, finger four to finger eight uh, region would uh, not be patrollable at least for the near future. They are not the official words, but that's the kind of the gist that we get to hear. Uh, you want to elaborate on that part because that was the uh, main uh, uh, 
uh, argument or the main moot point for both the sides all along. So you want to elaborate on that part? Yeah. So I mean, the one of the most visible uh, friction points was the Pangong So Lake, where we did mm-hmm. see a lot of uh, images, satellite images, especially from uh, many Twitter users like Detresfa and uh, others. And this was the most contentious region. I know Galwan was in the news because of the terrible loss of lives on the Indian side and also on the Chinese side. Which, but by the way, was... they, sorry, which, by the way, they uh, kind of acknowledged that they lost uh, four yeah. soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll come to that a little bit later. Yeah. But I mean, uh, coming back to the point, uh, what was important is that this was the biggest uh, friction point in my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, the status quo had irrevocably changed. Uh, I mean, Galwan, there was a uh, also a change in the status quo where they had ingressed uh, into the on the Indian side of the our perceived uh, LAC. Mm-hmm. But what was different about Pangong so was that it was the most visible region and this was like kind of crucial region that they, this call also escalated into something bigger. I mean there was there have been transgressions in the hot springs area but it's more flat terrain and it, it didn't garner the same amount of news. So the good news is that as per the new images that they have all the semi-permanent or even maybe you can call it permanent structures or fortifications that they had built between finger four to eight, they had demolished, which is kind of, I think, a significant achievement for the Indian position mm-hmm. because they had mentioned that the finger four to eight should be pulled back. I think if reports are to be believed, there were some reports that saying that uh the Chinese wanted the Indians to go as far back as a uh, finger two and the Indian held their ground that no, we won't go back. And they didn't, they wanted to maybe just go back to finger five or six, which Indians uh, to their credit held their ground and saying nothing doing. We had to go back to the old status quo. Now, as you very well mentioned that the patrolling is not going to happen for some time, but that brings up a new question that when the next time, uh, when the patrols meet each other and what kind of, what's the new modus vivendi to resolve it peacefully mm-hmm. so that it doesn't escalate to another uh, standoff event. So good news for now, but uh, more yet to come and with the Chinese, you never know. Just like the Pakistanis that you cannot uh, trust them either. One good thing, however, this time I would say is I mean, on the Chinese side they had, I believe like a military commissar, I don't know like what's the exact uh, position and on Indian side we had the militia uh, 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 I don't know if it's a diplomat but it's a representative from the uh, Ministry of External Affairs right Kishore so they went through that to make sure that a written agreement so it's not only the military negotiators but also somebody from New Delhi was present mm-hmm. in the meetings when the border when, when this nine round of nine round of meetings which were held so also a Ministry of External Affairs personnel or maybe Ministry of Home Affairs, I could be wrong. But there was a representative from New Delhi who could help guide the process. And the good thing is that a return agreement was coming, which I don't think has come up in the past. It has been more of a verbal agreement that they honor. So getting pen to paper, I mean, for such a disengagement is also quite credible in my opinion. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Right. So uh, the the focus now shifts 
to other uh, parts of the election, like uh, Sikkim or even Arunachal, where again, we keep hearing about these incursion and skirmishes uh, that happen on and off, not, not skirmishes exactly, but at least uh, incursions that happen regularly. But uh, no matter what happens, uh, Indian troops, as uh, almost everybody knows by now, would mm -hmm. continue to be uh, on the vigil uh, even now yeah. that uh, now that uh, spring is upon us out there in on the yeah. mountain I mean, passes. E even I believe like less than a month ago, there was a skirmish in Nakula in uh, Sikkim, I believe. Right. So Ch right. the Chinese will keep probing us. I mean, mm. this was a disengagement. However, the tanks, I think, uh, have pulled back let's say a few kilometers, let's say maybe there were reports like to Shandong, Shandong in the, on the Chinese side, which are like probably 20 kilometers and to the Indian side, I, I mean, I'm not sure how far we have pulled back, but see the, the other disadvantage India is that is that we are, uh, because of our infrastructure, I know we are building it up and ramping it up a lot. We don't have the same level of access to the Chinese. So the Chinese could very well come back and they could beat us to the position. So now there has been some commentary that why did we vacate the the heights in the south of Pangong, sorry, near the Spangar Gap. And I think we covered that in one of our episodes yeah. that uh, achieving control of those heights was crucial to our negotiating position. Like in late August, when we uh, climbed those peaks right. uh, in the middle of the night, that was a good, but I guess you had to give up. I mean, this was probably one of the better deals that uh, India could come up with where we sort of bartered the position on the south bank of Pangong. So for the north bank of Pangong. So so the infrastructure is kind of is, is definitely a limiting factor. So the, the, the end game here is that we need the complete deduction of forces from Ladakh sector, which hasn't happened. It's just pulled back. So we'll have to wait and watch. It's a slow process, but I mean, the Chinese could very well be probing for the next week spot. I don't think this overall, it, it's not like a massive new turn in India-China relationships. I mean, as we mentioned on the podcast last year, I still think, I mean, in my personal opinion that this friction will continue and it could just yep. get more worse and ugly. I mean, yep. the next yep. five years, I still think there could be a military confrontation between India and China, and I still hold to that thought, even though there is temporary peace in the air. And on the mention of spring, yeah, I mean, uh, spring is around there. So in six weeks, when the conditions are more conducive, I hope India is like better uh, uh, prepared for any such uh, Chinese incursion. So like last time, what was reported was supposedly happened that the Chinese were doing tactical exercises in uh, Tibet. And in a matter of few hours, they just diverted their troops to the, uh, the standoff points. So we have to be vigil. I know like uh, Lieutenant General Vaike Joshi has mentioned that the LOCization of LSE won't happen. So I hope like the chief of army staff and uh, General Navrane, like everybody has thought of like, you know, that how not to be uh, how to be prepared for the next uh, eventuality where if the Chinese just come in matter of few years because they have vastly greater infrastructure, mm -hmm. how do we checkmate them and make sure that we don't end up down this road uh, in the future, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, then, but then the good part of the uh, actual uh, 
lack of assurance <laughs> that the Indians gave. I mean, they haven't given up on anything, uh, and uh, yeah. even even the uh, the infrastructure push uh, that the Indians were uh, uh, more or less uh, committed to in the past year, year and a half, or even two mm-hmm. years, which actually kind of led to all this. If you look at it uh, yeah. in uh, hindsight, mm-hmm. that uh, will continue as such because there have been no assurances from the Indians that they will stop or they will go slow on on any of that. So I think I think that's a good uh, positive note for Indians. And as you said, uh, this is actually just a, a tactical pause in the overall scheme of things. Uh, the the core issue between India and uh, China with regards to the uh, the LSE being uh, demarcated, delineated, that continues to remain a thorn, and that uh, does not. Uh, uh, seem to be getting um, uh, clarified in any which way, at least in the near future. So uh, the thorns remain, uh, but then at least this is a temporary pause in uh, hostilities. Yeah, I think uh, there were some reports saying that the Chinese had suffered up to, I mean, I wouldn't say like casualties, but uh, they had like at least maybe 100 soldiers evacuated in the because of the brutal winter uh, up on the, like the, mm-hmm. I mean, some of these heights in the North Pangong, so like they were like up to like 55 or 5, 5800 meters. So they are not like very hospitable in the sub-zero freezing temperatures. Right. So be to like pulmonary edema or there could be like frostbite. I mean, many of the soldiers had to be evacuated. And China did a lot of propaganda with, oh, we are dropping by drones, hot meals, or we have this uh, prefabricated houses with heating and stuff. But I think the reality is much uh, different than what the Chinese state propaganda says. So I think they wanted to, I mean, as if the reports are to be believed again, that they wanted to withdraw from some time, but they didn't want to uh, cede any ground. But eventually they came to the conclusion that it's just better to beat a retreat for now. And I'm sure they will be back to their old ways in matter of no time. So, Okay, so uh, moving on to the other big news, which I think just happened this week, there was a surprising news that came out that the old ceasefire agreement, I think, which was like first done Kishore in what, 2003 mm-hmm. with India right. and China. Uh, Indian again, Pakistan. Sorry, India and Pakistan, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, India and Pakistan, which was agreed upon like probably like 17 to 18 years ago. Mm. They are both sides have pledged to honor that agreement. I mean, we had a huge spurt in ceasefire violations. So this is like welcome news all only also the other contested border. Kishore? Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, as, you, as you correctly pointed, it was uh, done by Prime Minister Atal Bihari Vajpayee and uh, the Pakistani president, uh, uh, General Parvez Musharraf back then. Uh, but then, uh, although it held ground for a long time, uh, by 2016, things uh, took a nosedive and uh, Indians kept pounding the Pakistani positions uh, along the line of control, uh, especially in the in the Neelam Valley and uh, the surrounding sectors. And uh, all this, while all this was happening and uh, a lot of uh, pressure was uh, exerted on the Pakistani forces. Uh, again, uh, the news of uh, uh, more and more tunnels being dug up, more and more ta- tunnels being unearthed in the Samba sector and the Jammu sector uh, along the actual international border. So uh, this continued. So uh, there wasn't much of uh, gains, uh, even for the Indians, so to speak, uh, by the relentless pounding. 
so i think it was uh, it was kind of uh, back to square one kind of a scenario where uh, you did not have any tactical wins uh, so to speak nor did the pakistanis uh, mend their ways so i think uh, this was just mindless uh, pounding going going on for two two and a half years and i think uh, it ha- somewhere somebody had to stop and luckily uh, this time around it was a joint statement issued wherein both of them have issued a single statement uh, hopefully uh, claiming that they ent- they want to ensure that they have peace along the line of uh, control now they have not spoken about the international border per se the uh, region from jammu uh, the beginning of the jammu and kashmir border all the way up to where the loc begins but be that as it may at least uh, with regards to the loc at least uh, there is some kind of a, a temporary truce again i just want to use the word uh, temporary truce and mm-hmm. not uh, not a peace uh, in the annual uh, because we know how uh, pakistan always uh, reneges on their promises so uh, yeah at least it's a temporary truce a tactical uh, reprieve for both the countries not only for india but also Uh, for the pakistani armed forces so i think it's a good uh, uh, step for now uh, but uh, again uh, it's too early to read too much into it and even if it's too late we should never read too much into uh, all the pakistani promises which uh, we know very well about <laughs> in fact in fact even during operation parakram or even after that during the uh, post uh, mumbai attack uh, loc has always been uh, hot there have been no instances where uh, things between india and pakistan are quite dicey and the loc is not hot so loc is always the first thing that kind of flares up so uh, the, the people along uh, the the frontier keeps bearing the brunt of uh, any kind of hostilities but at least uh, it's a good beginning the current phase do you, do you think i think it became started with like pulwama balakot right around like two two years ago right approximately yeah it kind of sta- it kind of started uh, uh, prior, uh, immediately after the uh, uri uh, attacks but that was hardly about 3 4 years ago but then uh, the current phase as you rightly pointed out was immediately after the uh, the pulwama attack and then the retaliation and then the retaliation to the retaliation and so on and so forth but yeah uh, you make a good point there and uh, yeah it was two years to the point uh, uh, of the uh, balakot air strike and the retaliation to that again which we had covered in one of our uh, previous uh, episodes as well yeah but then uh, the other point that i wanted to bring in was how uh, the indian media picked up uh, uh, hmm. so new- before you that i just wanted to make one quick point mm-hmm. so i think that uh we have bounded them with artillery barrages like quite a bit mm-hmm. but i think it shows the limit of what you can achieve with this now obviously the government has been not too keen on a hot pursuit or any kind of crossing of the loc i mean obviously not using planes or missiles post uh, the balakot attack so there's only so much uh damage you could inflict on the enemy mm. uh, with an artillery barrage so this shows like the I mean, I'm not saying like India did the wrong strategy, but there's only so much you can do by pursuing such a strategy. Only so much pain you can inflict on the enemy. So this did bring, I mean, lot of a loss of soldiers, many of which were not acknowledged by the Pakistani army. Mm-hmm. So it did bring pain, but it just shows a limitation of the strategy that artillery can only get you so much. Oh, Sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, the point is that India continues to keep the LOC uh, sacrosanct. They don't want to violate the uh, LOC, uh, and only only in extreme... even after events of uh, surgical strike and Balakot, which is important to exactly think. exactly. So even even under extreme circumstances like these surgical strikes, they they just have pinpoint or pointed uh, attacks, and then they return and mm-hmm. they say we have completed our operations in fact uh, the first uh, party who gets to know are the pakistanis themselves where the indians tell we are done with our operations so uh, india on its part wants to keep uh, the loc sacrosanct that's point number 1 point number 2 is again uh, even while keeping the loc uh, sacrosanct they don't want to uh, uh, cross the threshold Uh, as you rightly pointed out of uh, going climb beyond, the ladder of escalation that you know you don't want accidentally going mm-hmm. beyond uh, infantry and uh, things like mm-hmm. that now the other point other problem is uh, during the uh, balakot air strikes uh, mm-hmm. the indian i think it was the uh, i think it was the northern army commander i don't remember who but uh, they came up with a very uh, interesting choice of words oh yeah where, uh, where <laughs> they know. yeah they did not uh, i mean they came up with a new term i can't recollect now it was not counterforce not counter value but uh, kind of implying kind of implying that they wanted to take out only the terror uh, launch pad a non military or something yeah huh. yeah yes so if you say that then you end up binding yourself telling this is yeah, a yeah. threshold and so on and so forth so unless and until you have concrete evidence or unless and until you are attacked by a terror group you cannot repeat the same thing and anyway you have told that uh, you are not going to attack their military structures you're not going to attack their civilian uh, population so that way uh, again india clearly does not want this to go along the escalated escalation route yeah i mean we have come a long way since doing nothing during the 2008 mumbai attacks i mean there is a new paradigm with the cross borders so of the government is willing to take risk but yeah obviously it's not unlimited risk there will like like israel would do for say like obviously we don't have a non israel doesn't have a nuclear uh, adversary like we do with pakistan so but yeah i mean it's a i think it's a slow progress i don't think we can expect a drastic mm-hmm. shift no matter who the in, who is in charge so kishor one more point i wanted to cover i think this is a question has come up why now what why what would be the reasons for let's start with pakistan first and then go, come to india mm-hmm. let's say with pakistan like why would they agree to such a truce after i mean they were not happy with balakot obviously they were not happy with revocation i mean uh, abrogation of article 370 mm-hmm. so the question on i mean pretty much on the listeners mind will be why now which is actually quite uh, the the million dollar question right now because not <laughs> nobody so, nobody knows so, the answer for so that you, So if you tell them the, the all our listeners will feel like they're millionaires I guess. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, yeah at least let's have a dab at it let's try to understand the context in which mm-hmm. Pakistan is right now. Pakistan continues to be haunted by the FTT of Greylist I'm not saying uh, that actually uh, caused all this but at least let's list down the points or list down the factors that caused all this. so the fat of grey list is not going anywhere at least until another 3 months uh, and in fact uh, 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 shamamud qureshi went on record to tell that uh, he would want the fat of observers to come to pakistan and see for themselves 
the improvements that uh, have happened in terms of uh, uh, reduction in terror financing and things like that. So Pakistan wants to turn a new leaf and uh, uh, turn a new page and uh, try to uh, convince the world that uh, they are not a uh, state sponsor of terror anymore. But uh, uh, that's the that's the kind of uh, uh, narrative change that Shamamud Qureshi wants. But at the same time, uh, everybody knows that uh, the mindless destruction of the bunkers was uh, not giving any strategic victory at all. But also uh, the other thing was with regards to the new Biden administration, where we know that uh, uh, there yeah. is no clarity as such with regards to uh, what the Biden administration would do in terms of uh, engaging or disengaging with the Taliban in Afghanistan. And obviously, they would want some kind of support from uh, the Pakistanis, some kind of assurances. And obviously, Pakistanis would want some kind of assurance back that they would want uh, a cooler uh, line of control while they actually get uh, uh, while they actually get to work along the Durand line. So I think that may also have been a, a, a considerable factor. Uh, although we don't clearly know uh, Biden's Biden administration's uh, policy towards AFPAC region, that is something that has still not been uh, explicitly carved out. Now the other other thing that uh, people falsely attribute is that uh, China and Pakistan may have had a joint strategy in all this, and uh, China backed off. So. Pakistan also backed off, which is actually not the uh, yeah, not the right so, yeah. not the right uh, conclusion to come to, and uh, even even uh, General uh, M M Naravne, who uh, who is currently heading the Indian Army, also pointed out the same thing that although there were uh, suspicions that these two were acting in in cohorts, but somehow uh, there was not enough evidence to show that uh, these were actually happening together. So I think that can be easily ruled out, and somehow. Uh, there were enough people in India who went along the wrong path, coming to wrong conclusions, but that somehow was not the right thing. Now, having said that, uh, I think uh, we also know that uh, surprisingly earlier this month, uh, on 3rd of February, uh, Pakistani Army Chief uh, General Bajwa, uh, he came up with a surprise statement telling that uh, it was time to expand, ha uh, extend a hand of peace towards India and to ensure that we have peace. Uh, in uh, the region of Jammu and Kashmir to ensure that the people of uh, Jammu and Kashmir uh, live in peace. Now, he, he did not imply that uh, we want to have uh, uh, the current situation continue, wherein India would continue to look after the Indian uh, uh, part of uh, Jammu and Kashmir under Indian control and Pakistan keeps theirs. But what he, what he actually meant was that, that let's give peace a chance, at least for now. Uh, this, in addition uh, to the uh, to the other thing where uh, uh, Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan had to travel uh, to Sri Lanka on a state visit, and uh, India somehow surprisingly allowed uh, 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 their aircraft to use Indian airspace. So I think somehow uh, uh, th uh, two plus two became five uh, in a rather uh, in a rather surprising manner. And uh, we ended up with a DGMO uh, joint statement within the next uh, 48 to 72 hours. And even while in Colombo, while uh, addressing the uh, Sri Lankan media, uh, Imran Khan was again uh, pointing out to the same thing that they want peace uh, in the region, in, uh, in, in the region of Jammu and Kashmir. And he, he continues to extend the hand of 
peace uh, to uh, to narendra modi although although we continue to hear such uh, statement and we know that they are not even worth uh, uh, <laughs> the paper that they are written on but at least uh, uh, they have the sudden uh, quirk of fate that you might want to call uh, the sudden change of uh, events that happened in the last uh, not even 30 days uh, which kind of uh, led to the situation that we are in now uh, having said that uh, will will india back off will uh, india allow Uh, the FATF to uh, take Pakistan out of grey list. I don't think India will be foolish to do any such uh, thing. I don't think India will also uh, want to uh, engage with Pakistan diplomatically. Also, I don't think uh, uh, they would want to do that. The the current administration is very clear, and they understand uh, the psyche of the Pakistani forge, Pakistani armed forces. So I don't think that would be uh, a mistake that. the administration would uh, do now uh, with that from a local angle from a domestic angle within pakistan i think the pakistani army and the uh, imran khan government will have a lot to answer uh, when asked by the joint opposition uh, you know that uh, the opposition has all now rallied uh, together they are now a joint uh, yeah. alliance called the people's uh, development uh, people's democratic uh, movement pdm uh, which is now uh, um, an all party alliance conducting rallies all around uh, the country and they have been asking tough questions uh, of uh, imran khan uh, of late and uh, now the questions will only increase as to why did you back off uh, uh, against india and what is your current position about the abrogation of article 370 so imran khan will have to do uh, uh, will have to answer all these tough questions at least domestically within pakistan mohal yeah i think also one point is like i think uh, you did elaborate that the economy is also on the brink of pressure with uh, like the in- from fatf and india plus i think uh, i know in india we do mention the two and a half front problem that we face i think Pakistan also has its own challenges obviously it's not to the same extent as ours they have the india problem they also have an unsettled border with uh, with afghanistan, uh, afghanistan. Mm-hmm. the durand line which they have never uh, accepted i mean the which afghanistan has never accepted and then they have the internal simmering unrest in baluchistan which also creates sort of a de facto two and a half front for pakistan so pretty much they yeah. also i mean were under pressure i think they just wanted i think it's just like a chinese thing like they think that the the present scenario is not working out let's have a tactical pause and i'm pretty sure they will come up with some other nefarious way to needle india in the near future i mean to to tell you the truth both of these uh, uh neighbors of india i don't see them la- the peace lasting very long they will find some new mind boggling way i guess to <laughs> needle needle us uh, uh in some way shape or form you know i mean also the you brought up a good point with the biden administration i think the i mean this is just speculation that some are speculating that because uh, the biden administration came in there could be a change in policy and they might be more lax towards uh, supporting india or they might be more i wouldn't say like pro pakistan or pro china but they might be not as uh, opposing of the two countries as the as mm-hmm. a trump did so they might get some more leeway to deal with india but i think they both found out that there is doesn't seem to be any major change in the 
strategy mm-hmm. for now i mean it could change very well in the future they just said like okay let's take a tactical pause with india and uh, I, i mean you rightly said i don't think there's any correlation between them i believe it was either general uh, lieutenant general yk joshi or the chief of army staff uh, navrane like who mentioned uh, i think it, either one of them mentioned that even when the lac standoff was ongoing there was no new significant change in deployment mm. on the loc so there wasn't a two pronged attack per se i mean i'm pretty sure that i think even in the 65 war and the 71 war like china has never came to pakistan's rescue yeah, yeah. but i mean yeah pakistan could very well jump in at any time just to take advantage of uh, an unsettled border with china so uh, i don't see any yeah. yeah yeah so yeah kishore yeah i think uh, that's all we had to talk about uh, the uh, loc uh, deescalation for now uh, you wanted to add anything yeah i think um, it's a good development that i mean there was a, some amount of tension definitely on both the fronts mm. so a deescalation is uh, a good news but i mean I, i mean the proof will be only probably if, if we can gather a year from now and say oh there is relative peace right. on both the borders right. i mean the a keen china sorry a keen pakistan watcher and strategic affairs uh expert shushan sarin said that oh the peace with china is probably not going to last to the summer so it's going to be an interesting summer on both the fronts to see what china does and what pakistan does it's a good uh event for sure i mean it, it's like a what's the word i use i mean i would say the i would use the words cautious optimism on both fronts mm. but we have to be very watchful to see what happens in the near future as things could uh, take a turn for the worse at any time given the past history we had with china and pakistan so yep yep okay uh, so before we wind the episode up uh, let's switch our focus to recommendations Uh, Mohan, you have anything worthwhile that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, so I saw like a, a couple of uh, excellent interviews by Lieutenant General Y.K. Joshi, the mm-hmm. Northern Army Commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very well uh, answered all the questions from various media channels or groups. Um, I think there was one with India Today. There was one with Strat News Global, and also like a third channel I can't recall right now. But I mean, he very well. answered all the pertaining questions now obviously because of the stand up going he couldn't answer it at the moment but i think it silenced a lot of the critics and i think we had a hell lot of critics on the indian response i mean obviously there would be some lacuna in the response of the indian they will work on it but i think some of it was just uh, bias against the political dispensation to just uh, rub them in the wrong light mm-hmm. or like you know rub them in the wrong way So I think I I I hope that the interview would have come out earlier but I guess because of the situation it would be imprudent for him to give an interview but I think the I mean the critics have gone away for now obviously if the situation deteriorates or if maybe there is a not a full disengagement the critics will come back but I think it has silenced all the critics because it's given very well and I think it's like a must watch interview for uh, all the geopolitical junkies you know hmm hmm Okay. So Kishore like what's your recommendation for this week? Yeah, I would talk about the LOC issue and uh, again uh, point out to one uh, interesting uh, uh, YouTube uh, show that I saw 
actually Raja Sabha TV uh, channel's uh, uh, discussion uh, about, uh, on their big picture program, mm -hmm. uh, wherein mm -hmm. they spoke about the uh, development along the LOC and uh, attended by uh, uh, a former ambassador and uh, a former veteran, uh, a veteran, and also Sushant Sarin, uh, who you pointed out earlier. And there they discussed the uh, how to read or how to look at the development of uh, de-escalation along the line of control. So I think that would be my recommendation. But then also, uh, I would also want to point out to how the uh, Pakistani National Security Advisor, uh, or not, a, not the NSA, but the uh, advisor to uh, advisor. Prime yeah. Minister Imran Khan, Moeed mm -hmm. Yusuf, mm -hmm. who kind of denied uh, that he had <laughs> not spoken anything with uh, uh, an Indian NSA, Ajit Doval, uh, just to uh, just to muddle up the <laughs> muddle up and bring in more mean, chaos and confusion, uh, he, he came can, up with a Twitter thread telling that the mm -hmm. Indian media was uh, was going gung ho that uh, mm -hmm. uh, Moeed Yusuf had actually spoken with uh, Ajit Doval and he wanted to deny that. So that's another Twitter thread. I mean, thread that the I report in Hindustan Times said they had a sort of a meeting in a third country also. Mm -hmm. I mean, which mm -hmm. might have happened, might not happen, but it is. I mean, it might not have been at the NSA level, but unless the political dispensation on the top on in India and GHQ in Pakistan would have green lighted this, I mean, this would have never seen this the light of the day. I, I wouldn't see like, like chief of, uh, I mean, a D, two DGMOs DG resolving. It would be like very unlikely. Yeah, it would be. Uh, and this is a, this is a uh, decision that cannot be taken just by the DGMOs themselves. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's a valid point. Um, okay, so that was my recommendation for this week. Uh, with that, we come to the end of this week's episode, where we looked at how India has suddenly managed to buy peace along both its northern and western frontiers for now. To continue hearing about such interesting topics, do subscribe to our channel India Rising wherever you are listening to us. If you are listening to us on YouTube, please press the bell icon to get notifications about new episodes. If you have not left us a review, we urge you to do so as it helps other listeners like you in finding us. We would also like to hear from you if you have any suggestions or topics that you would like us to cover. Do remember that these topics should be directly related to Indian foreign policy. Until the next time, this is Mohal and Kishore signing off. Mm -hmm.